Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from November 29th by Pastor Randy, titled The Path Part One. So people have all these disconnects in life where they intend to go in this direction over here, but really they're on a path headed in this direction. Let me give you a few of those disconnects. Okay, One is this. I want God to bless my finances, but I'm not going to tithe. Oh, so you want this outcome in your life, but you're on this path going this direction? Or how about this? I want to lose weight, so supersize that. Do you see how people's intention and their direction in life, how there's this disconnect? Or how about this? You know, I want to be financially secure, but I'm going to start incurring this debt in my life. Or how about this one? I want to have this close relationship with God. I, I, want to, I want to be near Him. I want to be close to Him. So every morning when I get up, the first thing I'm going to do is get on social media or Facebook and spend time finding out what's going on in the world rather than time with Him. Do you see the disconnect? It happens all the time. Here's one that's real clear in Scripture. 1 John 4, 20, if anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's pretty clear. Don't tell me you love God and if you got all this going on with your brother or sister in Christ. Well, I can't stand them. Can you believe what they did? Because you're on a path going in this direction, but your intention is to go in this direction over here. Or or how about this? Gossip. You say, I don't want to be a gossip. Let me maybe define that for you. Gossip can be defined as, as talking to somebody who's not part of the problem or part of the solution. Gossip can be defined as, as when you're saying things to, to cause hurt to somebody else. Or instead of worse, lift somebody else up, you give them worse to tear somebody else down. And people say, I don't want to be a gossip. And yet in some realms of life, they fill their lives up with gossip. They'll watch this TV news cable stuff, which is nothing but love. most of it is just gossip. Or they'll be on social media and it's filled with just gossip. People just cutting other people down. So don't tell me that you want your words to, to exalt Christ. Don't tell me you, wanna, you want your words to be words that, that come out and build other people up. But then you, you fill your lives with all this gossip. Now, let's hit one of the biggest disconnects that we have these days. That's in the political realm. I want to talk about this earlier, but it was too dangerous. We're a couple weeks out of the election, so hopefully this is somewhat safe. Because I know people are going to think that I'm bullying them. That's what's going to happen. People will think that that that's what's what's going on. But the biggest disconnect that, that we have today is in the political realm. Let me just ask you this question. How many of you are tired of the poisonous political climate in our culture? We are, aren't we? We can't stand that. But if your political passion, if your political passion th- that you have in, in life 
if we let that political passion become toxic, tell me, where do you think that's going to lead? Because here's what we want. We want God to do something in our culture. We want the gospel to be advanced in our culture. But if you're on a pathway where it's politically toxic, where do you think that's going to go? It's not going to be toward expanding the gospel in our culture. It's not going to head in that direction. See, so many see their identity based on their political viewpoints. Let me explain that this way. Do you want the people who you associate with, the people who you hang around at work and in other areas of life, do you want them to know you as fundamentally as a Christian who happens to vote Democrat or Republican, or do you want them to know you as fundamentally a Democrat or Republican who tries to live the Christian life? See, if for you the word Christian is an adjective and not a noun, you're on the wrong road. You're not furthering the gospel in this kingdom if furthering the kingdom of God in this culture if that's, what, if that's the road that you're on politically. It's going in the opposite direction. Christian should never be something that we tack on to, to just to sort of describe who we are. If you have to decide if you're going to be someone whose political views are filtered through their faith or someone who changes their faith to fit their political views. Let me try and put this another way. Caesar is not Lord. And before you say, duh, of course he is not. Remember back a few thousand years ago with people who called themselves God-fearing people stood up before a political figure and said, we have no king but Caesar. And they said that, why? So they could get what they wanted, the murder of Jesus. There's a very real temptation for Christians these days to give their allegiance to politics in order to get what they want. A very real danger. Let me read you this quote. We can't give full allegiance to any political party or system because Jesus belongs to neither. The question is not if Jesus follows our politics, but do we follow Jesus in such a way that it shapes and informs and challenges our politics. If Jesus doesn't challenge any of our political views, then you may have made Jesus in your image rather than the other way around. See, some think that we can change America through politics. Jesus completely rejected that strategy. I mean, if anybody would have been a a good political leader, it would have been Jesus, right? And that's what the disciples wanted to make him. Jesus, I can't wait till you become the the political leader in our culture. And when you do, we want to be on your cabinet. We want to have high places in your cabinet. Jesus rejected that. Here's what he said. Well, Can anything go right today? All right. Jesus called them over and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand. Not saying Christians shouldn't be involved in government. Not saying Christians shouldn't pay taxes. Not saying Christians shouldn't vote. You should do that. You should vote your conscience. What I'm trying to say and what I get across is, is that the church's future does not depend upon elections. I don't care whether you voted for Biden or Trump. In 20 years from now, they're going to be a footnote in history, but Jesus is still going to be Lord. We owe our allegiance to him. See, the, the problem comes when churches get their allegiance in the wrong area. Because Jesus alone demands our allegiance, and the churches have always been better off when they're not in power, when they don't have the, the political clout. Right now, the places where Christianity is growing the fastest is in Iran, North Korea, and China. Why? Because the church doesn't depend upon political power. The church depends on the power of the Spirit. And whenever the church begins to depend upon political power, guess what happens to the power of the Spirit? It vanishes. It goes. We've seen this time and time again throughout history. The big one was in the first centuries after the resurrection because in the first, second, third century, you can see the power of the Spirit. I mean, it's exploding. It's going everywhere. But as soon as the fourth century comes along and Constantine comes and makes Christianity the, the preferred religion in the empire, guess what happens to the power of the Spirit? It just sort of vanishes. You just don't see it anymore. And that's one of many examples throughout history. It's gone because it's a whole lot easier to vote for something than it is to love someone, isn't it? And here's the thing. No matter what happens in the next four years or the next 20 years in our culture, no matter what happens in government, I will not be afraid. Because I know that the Spirit does not depend upon politics. But, and hear me now, next few minutes, in another way, I'm scared to death. Because I see what's happening not only in churches, but I see what's happening with the leaders of our churches. Thomas Rainer did a study in which he said this, over 70%, over 70% of pastors have considered quitting in the last six months. You know why? Politics. Let me read you what he said. Ministers dread election years. Because they know what's coming. Lies will be shared. Sins will be excused. Bad behavior will be defended. Good behavior will be ignored if it comes from the other side. 
is a moral and ethical nightmare. In election years, the hope of the nation is placed in what happens in November, not in Jesus Christ. And here's, here's the kicker. Many ministers wonder if what they have been doing matters. Why continue on if it can be so easily disregarded because of an election? See, ministers become very discouraged because what this time reveals is that many people are on the wrong path. They're going the wrong way. If your view of politics or mask or no mask, if that disrupts a fellowship, a relationship with you and another Christian, you're on the wrong path. If you'd rather be right politically than have a relationship, you're on the wrong path. All right. We'll talk about this next week, assuming I still have a job. We'll find out. Because I know what happens. I've done this enough. I just know what happens. It's like, it's like this. When I get up to, to speak, let's, let's say on some moral issue, and somebody will come, You're, you, think, you, know, you, you brought that up. Was it because of me and what's going on in my life? And I go, you think you're the only one in this church having a moral issue right now? No, they're, they're, it's going on everywhere. And people are going to think that, that I'm picking on them because they're Republican or Democrat or whatever. That's not the case. Do you think you're the only one that's, that's, that's politically going down the wrong path rather than, 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 or you're going down the wrong path and your political views are driving that versus you're just not the only one. It's, it's across our culture right now. And it should be evident about what's the result going to be. If we keep going down this path in the church and Christians, where is that going to lead us? It's not going to be toward getting the gospel to take a hold of this nation. It's not going to be toward revival. I promise you that. I promise you that this political poison is not going to lead to revival. It's going to go the very opposite way. So, we'll come back to that more next week. Which gave, may give you time to, to leave or come back. I don't know. Uh, here's a verse. This is Proverbs 22.3. It doesn't say it on, but it's Proverbs 20. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. All right, so this has to do with the principle of the path. That the path you're on, not your intention, the path you're on determines your destination, determines where you wind up. So we have two people here. You have the prudent and you have the simple. You have the wise and the simple. Here's the difference. The prudent, they see life as connected. They connect the dots. They know if they're going, going down this path, it's going to lead to this certain destination. They connect the dots. But the simple, they don't have any connection at all. They, they don't see that they're going down a path. They just see it as just life. Life's just happening. They don't see it as a path. What you need to understand is that sin itself is not an act. Sin is a path. And, and what, what they think is that, what, what the simple think is that they can have this attention, intention in life. They intend to, to wind up here, but they can go down this path over here. So that they don't make any connection at all. And then you have the two responses. The prudent, they see danger in what? They do something. 
They do something. They take refuge. They quit that relationship. They quit thinking like that. They quit going there. They do something. They start doing this in their life. They do something. But what do the simple do or the naive or the foolish do? They just keep going. Oh, it'll work out. Yes, I, I know that, that this may not be a very good path, but it'll all work out in the end. It's like that they see a big wall down here at the end of this path, and they think, when I get to that wall, I'm not going to hit that wall. It'll just all work out. When you assume that you can be on a path and not wind up where that path leads, you're naive, you're simple, you're You're foolish. To think that you can go down this path and, and wind up in a different spot. That you can get on the Seward Highway and wind up in a different place in Seward. So you have these two people, you have these two responses, and, and then you have the, the two results. See, there's a day coming where the prudent, where the wise, they're going to say, Oh, I'm so glad I made this decision in my life. I'm so glad I was walking down this path because I, I just love where I wound up. I'm so glad I did, it. I did it. But the simple, what are they going to do? They're going to suffer harm. They're going to suffer for it. They're going to wind up in a place at the end of the path that they're on and there won't be any good options. No good options. If they're addicted... If they'd have been back here, they could have disciplined themselves and had different options. But it's too late now. You're addicted. There are no good options. That's like you get 60 years old and you decide, I'm going to start saving for my retirement. It's too late. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care what you do. It's too late. Maybe further back in life, if you would have decided, look, I'm going to drive this old car for another six, seven years instead of buying another one. Maybe you made some better financial decisions. Then you could have saved for retirement. But by the time you're 60, it's too late. There are no good options anymore. So, you will wind up where the path that your own leads. That path determines your destination, not your intention. So what I'm saying is don't waste another minute on the wrong path. I don't care if it's a relational path, whether it's a, uh, a, a marriage path, a, a parenting path, a financial path, a, a moral path, whatever it may be, don't stay any longer on the wrong path. Because here's the thing, here, here's the catch, the tricky part. You can be on the wrong path and you can be happier than you've ever been in your life and be on the wrong path. And here's the other part. You cannot pray yourself out of an issue, out of a destination that you behaved yourself into. You can't pray yourself out of that. Now, here's the good news. You can follow your way out. And when I say follow your way out, what you need to hear is that a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can follow your way out, but you can't pray your way out. People think they get down here and their life's falling apart. Oh, I just need to do this, or, or how can I get this fixed? No, no, no. You've been on this wrong path for a long time. You've got to change directions to get on another path. You've got to follow your way, follow your way out. Hear that? You've got to have a relationship with God. You've got to be connected, as we've been talking about for the last four weeks. Here's what we read in Psalm 63. God, you are my God. 
I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in a sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, that sounds a lot different than I go to church, doesn't it? A lot different. See, many people are looking for a fix. What they need is a relationship. There's a lot of people who, who are looking for an experience. What they need is a relationship. What they need is to come to that relationship and hear Jesus saying, here, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to say. Here's what you need to think. Here's what you need to go. That relationship with God is going to drive that. They need to be connected. Because you can't pray yourself out of a wrong destiny. You have to follow your way out. You have to go back and reestablish that relationship with God. Say, okay, God, what do I need to say? What do I need to think? What do I need to do? I want to hear your voice every day, every moment of my life, and I want to follow after that. So if you want to be on the right path, whether that's a moral path, a marriage path, parenting path, financial path, whatever it may be, academic path, whatever it may be, you have to follow Jesus. Because when you have that relationship, that will keep you on the right path. Why would I ever want to go on a different path when, when, when my, my whole desire is to, is to connect with God, is to be with Him? Why would I want to go on a different path morally? Why would I want to go a different path relationally? Why would I want to do that? And what that means is, if you're on the wrong path, Somewhere way back, you lost that connection. You lost that relationship. But you see, what we want is we want to fix it. Just give me a fix. What can I do? What, can, can I have an experience? Will, will that do it? No, no, there's no fix. There is no experience. You have to follow your way back. You have to get back on the right path. And here, when I say follow here, have that relationship with Jesus. To go back and be connected again. So, what John said, or what the angel said to John, excuse me, is that he's, he's in this prophecy, is that he's going to come and he's going to bring many people back to God. Why? Because so many people were on their own path. They were on their own path morally, relationally, every, just every which way. They were on the wrong path. They were on the wrong path. Many of them on the wrong path politically. Their, their, their political beliefs had carried them down the wrong path. And they needed to get back to that relationship. Hear that this morning. Hear that. Because we live in a culture where so many are on the wrong path. And, and so pastors, in this last several months during the election, what's happened is that it just reveals so many are on the wrong path. And so they're saying, hey, 
if people can let something like politics take them on the wrong path, what good am I doing anyway? What really good is it? And they're becoming very discouraged and quitting a lot are. But God doesn't allow his servants to just quit when things go bad, does he? He says, you just need to get out there and you need to... You need to try and capture their hearts. Folks, we need revival. And if you're on the wrong path, revival is not the end of those paths that many people are on. That's not where it's going to lead to. And if you let stuff poison you, you let moral stuff, you let relational stuff or political stuff, what it is, you let that poison you, you think that's going to end up in revival? No. That's not where that path goes. So what path are you on? That's something you're going to need to do. And, and you can't come up here and, and at the insert and fix it with a prayer or fix it with an experience. But you can begin to follow Christ at a, with, a, with a prayer, with an experience. You can begin to get on the right path again, can't you? So there's, not no, there's no quick fix to this. You have to follow your way out. You can't pray out of a situation that you behaved yourself into. You have to follow your way out. You have to reestablish that relationship with God. So you can't do it just by coming down front of the service, but that can be a beginning point. You have to start somewhere. And the danger is leaving here thinking, It'll be all right. I can keep on going. I don't need to do anything now. It's not urgent. I don't have to get on my knees right now. I can wait till later. Because that's what people do. Oh, I think I can keep going. You just don't know where that path leads. You don't want to go there. You don't want to wind up there. So this principle applies to you whether you're aware of it or not. The question today is, are you going to leverage it for your benefit or are you going to ignore it for your demise? Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.